This doesn't Lord, uh, a glory, all the honor and the praise. Uh, oh yeah, come on, church. Uh, he deserves it tonight. He's the King of Kings. Woo! I feel something in the atmosphere. <laughs> I said I feel something in the atmosphere. Something's changing. Something's stirring tonight. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. I'm trying to settle down, but let, let's, uh, we're just thankful tonight that you're here. Amen. In the presence of the Lord and just thankful that you've come and took time out of your busy schedules and I don't want to stop the Spirit of God in any fashion or any form and uh, tithes and offering in the back, back there like we normally do. We appreciate your giving as given into the kingdom of heaven and, and we thank you for everything that you do. I believe that Sister Tidwell is going to come and speak for us tonight. I believe she's got a word from heaven tonight. Let's just give her a good hand. She's one of the ministers in the church of God and we just appreciate her tonight. What a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. This message that I'm going to bring you that I've been dealing with for six months now. And wouldn't you know, it's about worship. Sunday night I sat right on that second row during Sunday night service and I sat there as Randy was speaking and I was going through my mind, Lord, are you joking with me? Lord, are you kidding with me? He was all over what I'm speaking tonight, but I did not copy what he said. I didn't know what he was speaking about. But this message is burning in my heart about worship, how we worship, why we worship, who we worship, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I just asked him to have his way. I said, Lord, if you, if you don't want me to speak, if you just want to move, move. Do what you want to do. And I give him freedom and liberty. I step back and I say, Lord, do what you want to do through this. Because it's not about me, it's all about him. And I give him praise tonight. So over the past months, God's been speaking to me about worship. First, it's on the importance and the necessity of worship. And what is expected of war in our worship? Do you know God has an expectation in our worship? Why we worship how our worship can become routine and just going through the motion if we're not careful. The night before Randy asked me to speak, which was over a month and a half ago, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was standing right here in this pulpit, and I was speaking 
on this subject of worship. And as I was speaking, there was a song that kept going through my head, and we know it very well. It's the Revelation song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And it's during this song that while I was up here speaking that my attention and my mind was so focused on that song. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? What are you trying to say to me? What does this song really mean? I've been to, I started to question, and what is true worship? And as I thought of this song, I realized that it was describing Revelation chapter 4 where John gives us a descriptive visual of God's throne room, which is we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about worship and how we are supposed to worship. Worship is where we show a deep reverence and adoration to God. The requirement of worship is to know who, what, and why we are worshiping. True worship is a spiritual exercise where we worship God. He is holy. He is Lord high. He is lifted up. And he is the only one true living God, which does not just happen in this building. We shouldn't just worship in this building, but it should be coming from our hearts. So John 5 gives us the requirements for worship. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. First, how do we worship in spirit? This means to give of ourselves, to give worth to him, to give our time and energy to him, to recognize and to revere his name, to pursue him and to put our energy into it. This requires our whole being, our whole heart. Everything we have is required to worship God. And often it's so easy to come through those doors back there. And I'm to blame. I had to look at my heart too with distractions and tiredness and sickness and problems that our worship is not what he deserves. Worship is something we do to feel close to God, to touch God, and for God to touch us. Anything less, Jesus calls it this, it's vain worship. It's empty worship. It doesn't mean anything. True worship is going to cost us something. Second, we call the worship in truth. We worship according to the knowledge we have of him from the word of God. Knowing his word is truth and it does not lie. We can stake our life on what the word of God says. And we will know God by what we read about him. And we will understand who he is. How many of you have found out as reading the Bible together since January in the Bible... And on your own personal Bible time, how many of you have found out something about God in his word? If we're not reading his word, we're not going to know who he is. To worship in truth 
means to worship. Our, our worship must be genuine and it must be individual. I can't worship for you. You can't worship for me. Or you can't even cause me to worship. Worship can only come out of our hearts by personally knowing who he is through his word and his spirit revealing him to us. When we all come together to worship God on an individual basis, the church is edified, God is glorified, and the name of Jesus is magnified. We are meeting with the Lord from earth to heaven. So let me share some things. Now that I've talked about spirit and truth, which is how we should worship, let me tell you some things that worship is not. Worship is not just trying to replicate a successful model of worship. Worship is not copying the best worship technique. Worship is not just singing your favorite songs or singing them according to some formula. Worship is not something to minister to people or to build something up or make something happen. Worship is not a fad. Worship is not something where we can be a spectator. Worship is not something where we can be lazy or half-hearted. Worship is not something where we can fake who we are or pretend to be sincere. And worship is not entertainment. Most importantly, true worship cannot happen. And this should have been the first thing True worship can happen unless you have clean hands and a pure heart. Psalms 24, 4 says, Who can approach God and worship and who can stand where he is? Only he that has clean hands and a pure heart. He who knows the truth gives himself to God lives holy, and recognizes that God is the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters in this world. This is the only one who can stand in his holy presence in worship. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 7 it says, God asked the priests of Israel, why have they shown so little respect with their defiled and polluted sacrifices? They gave to God what they did not want and not their best. God does not want our worship to be half-hearted or a task. He wants us to worship because we love him with all of our heart. Because he deserves our best worship. We must worship God with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with our body, and with our strength. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says that if you do not worship in spirit and in truth, your worship will become an obligation, a habit, a ritual, and God will not be pleased and it will lose its meaning. When our worship has no meaning, we may as well not worship at all. I do not want my worship to become a stench in the nostrils of God. Hebrews 13 and 15 says that we should have a sacrifice of praise continually to God on our lips, despite how we feel, what we see, what's going on. 
On the count of three, I want everybody here to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You say, praise the Lord. One, two, three. That might have been a sacrifice for some of you tonight. One more time. Say, praise the Lord. One, two, three. The more you do it, the more you want to do it, and the easier it becomes. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, the enemy flees, things change, and the power of God operates. And this is what God spoke specifically to me. If you will worship in spirit and in truth, as you worship, I will begin to operate in your life as never before. In Revelation 4, 1 through 11, and what it looks like, and what some of the things that it represents to our worship. John described what he saw in a vision in the throne room of God. And this vision serves as an example to our worship. We have to understand that John's vision, there were things that he could not fully describe because he had not seen these things in his lifetime. So he described what he saw in the best of his knowledge and experiences. We can only imagine, but we'll never truly understand until we're there. So let's look at Revelations, verse 1, chapter 4. And as I looked, there were before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. This voice that John heard was inviting him to get his attention from earth to heaven, to the throne room of God. Verse 2, at once I was in the spirit. There before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Let me tell you tonight, God never leaves his throne, and it is never unoccupied. Verse 3, and one who sat there had the appearance of jasper, and rubies, precious stones, precious, beautiful stones that John compared him to. And there was a rainbow behind it. You can see it is the emerald green around the bright light that encircled the throne. This is not like the multicolored rainbow that we see in our sky. This heavenly rainbow is, a, is unique because of its bright green color and is a reminder of God's faithfulness just as it was to Noah. Four, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And most biblical commentators believe that these 24 elders represent a heavenly priesthood composed of the 12 tribes of Judah and the 12 disciples. Verse 5, and from the throne came flashes of lightnings and roars of thunder and peals of thunder. And this reflects God's power and majesty. And it's safe to say that God's throne room is not 
a quiet place. In front of the thrones, there were seven lamps lamps blazing, and these were the seven spirits of God that represent the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 2 gives us the meaning of these seven attributes, and they are exaltation, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, reverence. Also in front of the throne, in verse 6, there was looked like a sea of glass. And I don't know if you can see it that well on there, but it's right in front of the elders, and it's shining. This may not be a literal sea of glass, but is referred to as the sea of forgetfulness. When we confess our sin, he tramples it under his feet and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness to exist no more. If that's not a, wor- a reason to worship my God, I don't know what is. In the center around the throne were four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in the back. These were described as four creatures that were living, signifying that Jesus was dead, but now is alive forevermore. These creatures were covered with many eyes, representing eternal wisdom and knowledge. They were able to look in all directions. They even had eyes under their wings, and they faced in multiple directions. And many believe this allowed them to see as much of the glory of God as possible. Wow, I can't even imagine that. Making them able to inspire as much praise and worship as possible. Verse 7, the first living creature... And I think you can tell on here from my right to left. The first creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. And here's what they represent. In Matthew, Jesus is king of the Jews, represented by a regal lion. He is the king and conquering ruler over all. In Mark, he is a servant represented by an ox, a beast of burden, the sacrifice for our sin with his blood. In Luke, he is the son of man represented by the face of a man describing the humanity of Christ. He was born of a virgin and made flesh. And in John, he is the son of God showing the divinity of Christ who gives eternal life and is represented by the majestic eagle. Eight, verse eight. And each of these four living creatures had six wings. The six wings work to express reverence and to be able to expedite the orders and commands of God. And according to Isaiah, they used two wings to cover their face, two wings to cover their feet, and two wings to fly. Day and night, continually, and they never stop saying, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was 
and is and is to come. And Isaiah said, they called these words out loudly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Our worship should express our awe, our thanksgiving, and gratitude of who he is. Holiness describes God's being set apart from his creation and untouched by the wickedness of the world. He is sinless. He is perfect. God has absolute, undefeatable dominion and sovereignty over all things. He is the God who is. He is the God who was. And he is the God who is to come. Nothing can be added to him. Nothing can be taken away from him. He will always be. He is holy and he is Lord God Almighty. There is no one like our God. There is no one above our God. He is King of kings. He is Lord as lords. And despite what we think, we feel, he is and he will remain in control and he will have the last word. So that should give us hope in this world that we live in today. That God has the final answer. When he says it's done, it's done. He is in control. No one else is. This is who we worship. God deserves our worship. His praise and worship should be continually on our lips. Steve, if you'll put up picture three. So whenever the living creatures give glory to God on honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. God alone is worthy to receive all praise. The elders, in fact, appear to be inspired to cast their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Back to picture two, Steve. Notice behind the 24 elders is the host of angels worshiping through word and through song. Revelation 5.11 says, And then I looked, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Myriads meaning countless or an extremely great number. Revelation 7, 11 says, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they also fell to their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Why is God worthy of such worship? Because he alone created all things into existence and for his own purpose and pleasure for salvation and redemption. And because he created us, he deserves our praise, and we should marvel at his majesty. Because he created everything else, he deserves our praise. He deserves our complete 
and unending praise. And when we come in the doors, we should be excited and that we have the opportunity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords individually and as a unified body, exalting God. And I want to tell you, God does not exist for us, but we exist for God. We serve a God who is holy, omnipotent, and eternal. And when our worship follows heaven's example of worship in spirit and in truth, we will become aligned to heaven as touching him from earth and him touching us from heaven. I came across an an unaired video of John Paul Jackson, and he's a very known, well-known, respected prophet who's now deceased, and John Paul had a Revelation 4 experience. He said he was taken to the throne room of God, and he stood right in front of God. He was so overwhelmed and terrified, he thought surely God had brought him to heaven to die. Behind him was the lampstands. In front of him was God, and he saw the circles of bright lights and the magnificent colors around God. He said it was like being inside of an atom. God's throne was the nucleus, and around it, all the angels were circling. Like the protons and neutrons around the atom, he saw balls of fire flying out of them. And then he saw boats and heard the incredible noise that was happening. And every second, there was billions of these balls of fire and lightning bolts flying out of God into creation. He was active, and he was involved in his creation. He was not afar off, and every time he did an act, the angel would say, holy. So there were billions of holies every second. I want to demonstrate what he, the way he said this, it's not like his, but holy, 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 he's holy, he's worthy, holy, 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 we give you praise, you are worthy, holy, 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 holy. This is the sounds that he heard every second he was there. I want Terry and I want Ricky to come up. They're going to help me demonstrate something here tonight. I want to take a minute and I want to think about these scriptures that I just read, said and read to you. And I want you to get, try to get a visual picture of this, of the throne room, the sounds of worship coming from the throne room. It's brightness. It's majesty. See the lightning and the thunder and hear, and hear the thunder. 
see the seven lamps burning before the throne, since his Holy Spirit. So now let's pay attention to their worship. Hear the four li living creatures worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And let's see holy, and hear the 24 holy, elders inspired by the four creatures the as they fall Almighty to their knees and cast their crowns and they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive honor and glory and power. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now hear the angel choir holy, as they join in. Glory and honor. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Oh, 
holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Does it please God or doesn't God? I'm just giving, am I just giving him the leftover? Has my worship become routine, a ritual, half-hearted, and empty with no meaning to God? And I have to answer you honestly tonight sometimes. And I have to ask for forgiveness for him for that. I believe God is calling us to worship in spirit and in truth. And I want everyone in this sanctuary to find you a place, not to ask anything of God, but I want you to worship him because he's worthy. Come on now. We're not going to ask God for any now, anything. Come not because you have to, but because God deserves it. And as we worship here on earth, in spirit and in truth. Let's reach heaven, his very throne room. Then from heaven, he will meet with us. 
And when we do this, prayers are answered, lives are changed, the miraculous happens, sickness is healed, and revival begins.